Jesus, the Son of our living God, sent to the world not to condemn, but to save. He lived on earth for many years, sharing the good news with all nations. Jesus died a criminal's death. He was beaten, crucified, and buried. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven, where he sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. Jesus is alive and wants to make a difference in your life and the lives of those around you. Jesus is our living water, the bread of life, our rock and firm foundation. Jesus is our Savior, our Shepherd, our true vine, and our light in this world. How's everyone doing tonight? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big night for our country. Um, obviously, election night. Um, and hopefully you got a chance to vote. Um, but before we get started tonight, I, I just feel like God wants us to be praying for our country right now and to be praying. I, I think he wants us to include him in this process as people are still voting and all these things. And so I just want to go to God for for our country and then just for this night as well. So God, we, we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign. God, we put our hope in you. And, and God, no matter what the outcome of this election, God, it doesn't change that you are a source of hope. And God, we just pray, even in a room this size, Lord, we know that there's differences of, of political stances or opinions, God, and we just pray that you would just transcend all the division and difference that we might have with each other. Instead, unify us in your spirit and your love. And we got, God, we just pray that this country would come to a place of, of unity and peace, God, and that we would be a part of that process, God, as we love one another in your name, Lord. And we pray for tonight that, that you would speak through me, that I would not rely on my own knowledge, but God, that I would just rely on your word and your truth. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So if, if you guys haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, we're doing this series called Jesus Are, and then it's fill in the blank. And the idea behind this series is that we would have a, maybe a we're seeing these different aspects of, of who Jesus is, and the hope is that we would maybe be encouraged and, and change maybe how we're looking to him. Uh, the idea that we gain confidence in what Jesus does when we see who Jesus is. And the other thing is that we hope that it would make an impact in our everyday life when we can see Jesus in a certain way. And so AJ kicked us off a couple weeks ago, this idea of Jesus, our Savior, and so we were hoping that you would recognize that if, if Jesus is our Savior, one that we recognize we need, we need saving, that we are a world that is lost. And then secondly, that once we come to a place of salvation where we know Jesus, that we wouldn't just keep it to ourselves. And, and the analogy that AJ gave, like if we had the cure and the people were sick, we wouldn't keep it to ourselves, that we would share it with others who are also lost. And then if you were here last week, I talked about Jesus, our shepherd. And how if we view Jesus as our shepherd, much like David viewed the Lord as his shepherd, that we would recognize how good God is and how he has compassion on his sheep 
when they come to him with their hurts and that he leads us in the right direction and that he always finds us and brings us back if we ever wander and get lost. And then the hope is that in the same way that would impact our everyday life, that we too would treat others with compassion and not judgment, that we would help lead them in the right direction and that we would help find them when they lose their way and get lost. And so tonight I'm going to be talking about Jesus, our vine. And again, hopefully this will, will help us recognize our deep significant need for Jesus and that will affect our everyday life. So I want to share this short little story to start us out. There's a missionary in Africa lived in his central mission, which had a small generator to supply the ch small church in a small home that he lived in. And some natives from the outlying mission had actually come to visit the priest. And they noticed an electric light hanging in his living room, um, just a light bulb in the, in the middle of his living room. And they watched wide-eyed as he turned the little switch and the light came on. They were just amazed by it. And so one of the men um, asked the priest if he could have a light bulb. And the priest, thinking that he was just looking for like a collectible or a trinket, he gave him an extra bulb. And then it was shortly later that he went into this, um, the outlying mission where these people came from. And he visited the man in which he gave the, the light bulb to. And you can imagine his surprise when he walked in his house and he sees the light bulb hanging in the middle of the living room, but it's hanging on an ordinary string. And so he had to let the man, the man know that you actually need a wire and electricity current to help the bulb burn in order to have the light. And although we might laugh at, you know, just the, the not knowing, the I can't even say it, naiveness of this, this man that we would recognize that maybe we're a little naive to this sometimes too. If you think about, we say we want to be the light of the world, you know, but sometimes we're not connected to the source or the power to do that. And so I want to cover tonight, I want to be looking at John 15, one through eight. And that's really where we're going to be camping most of the time is on these, these verses of of John 15 and one through eight. And um, my hope is that God would really speak to you guys through this verse, but I'm just gonna read it to you guys right now. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is, the Father's, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so Jesus shares this analogy using a farm imagery of vine and branches. And just like electricity provides power for necessary for the bulb to burn, so the vine provides life necessary for the branches to produce fruit. 
And how often as Christians do we attempt to get closer to Jesus by, you know, doing things like praying, by reading the word, the Bible, and doing some act of service? And not that there's anything wrong with those things. Those are all good things. But God is saying that our growth is found in him. It's not found in trying to get to him. And we see in Colossians 1, 9 through 10, it says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. And we talked about this about a month ago. Um, we were sharing about the Holy Spirit and how we have access to this, this power to us. And I don't know if you guys remember the analogy I gave of the skid steer and the auger and how my friend and I were trying to build a deck in our backyard. We needed to dig 24 holes. And when we had this auger, it took like 45 minutes to dig all these holes. But when we started it, we were doing it with our shovels and just digging for three hours and it took forever. Um, and so it's just this idea that when we try to do it with our own strength, we get exhausted. But then when we have this, this source of power like the Holy Spirit that comes, it, it takes no effort and we don't feel exhausted afterwards. And, and that's what happened when we, when we did this project in our backyard. And I realized I left out an important fact, why it took like three hours to dig two small holes. We were digging in like a really hard mud clay. I just felt like I had to disclaim that because I was like, three hours to dig two small holes, that's pretty weak. Uh, but Jesus says, I am the true vine. And what does that mean? He is it. He's not hoping to be it for you. He is saying, I am it. He is the source of all truth, life, and fruit. And these things that God asks of us doesn't come from our own efforts. It comes from him as he is our true source. It comes from him and nothing else. He is the source of all spiritual life and fruit, and you can't have one without the other. You know, the whole thing about being a Christian is all about the fruit. And you can't have this fruit without living the spiritual life. And it says again in John 15, 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So apart from him, we can do nothing. And this is bold because it's saying you have no life if you don't have Jesus Christ. It's, it's like the fruit does not have life if it is not connected to the vine. And so it's, it's this idea of instead of thinking like, oh, I have everything I need. I'm just missing this one thing, Jesus, right? It's not this idea that if you have the, the job, the career, the spouse, the kids, the house, you have all these things, but you might be missing Jesus. It's not, like, it's not this idea that you're just missing all this one thing. No, he's everything. He's everything. He is our source of life, the vine. And if as Christians we say, well, I don't think I can do this or I don't think I can do that, what we're believing is that we're the source of our fruit. Because we see in Philippians 4, 13, it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A great supernatural mystery it's our union with Jesus. And we see in John 15, 4, again, it says, remain in me as I also remain in you. 
And so if you are a Christian, God sees the perfect obedience of Christ in you, not your failures. He sees Jesus in you as he remains in you. And importantly, you remain in him. And this past spring, our staff had the opportunity. We, we went through a book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader. And in this book, there was a chapter that talked about this loving union with Jesus. And the whole idea was that he just wants us to be with him. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to try to win his approval and all the things that we're doing for him. And it really struck me because it's one of those things where you might hear it or you get it with your mind. But this time I felt like I, I got it with my heart that the God of this universe, the God who created all of us, this world and everything, simply just wants to be with me in a loving union relationship with him. And I don't know if that's a new thought for you, but it's true. And maybe if you're feeling like you're, you're tired of, of trying to, to be a good Christian and doing all these things, Maybe this would be encouragement to you to just know that Jesus simply wants to be with you, to spend time with you. And so Jesus is our vine. What does that, what does that mean for us? And, and based on this original verse, John 15, what I want to do for the rest of this night, I want to take away three things from this verse. And the first idea that I want to take away is this idea of pruning. It says in John 15, 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. In the physical sense, the vines, yeah, so in the physical sense, the vines left themselves, they sprawl out all over the place and they produce huge canopies of shoots or leaves or branches. And unless the canopy is controlled, the vine, it doesn't yield much fruit. And pruning is counterintuitive activity because when you look at the vine, it looks so full and rich and, and healthy, but the fact that it's not producing fruit makes you realize that it, it's actually not as healthy as you think it is. In fact, it may just be all show and no tell. And, and Jesus is afraid as he's speaking this verse to his disciples, he's afraid that the disciples might face the same problem. And he isn't interested in showy disciples the same way he's not interested in showy churches or showy Christians today. He's interested in the fruit. And I'm not a gardener by any means, but I've heard it explained that there's something that the, the farmers call suckers. And the suckers are a branch that usually grow in the fork of the main trunk and a fruit-producing branch. And these sucker, the sucker branch doesn't produce fruit. Instead, it saps all the resources from the fruit-producing branch. And, and so if you want to have a better crop, you need to prune or cut back these suckers. And something to note here, pruning is not a punishment. And if you were here last week, we talked a little bit about this, the, difference, the importance of the difference of punishment and discipline. But if you weren't here, just real quickly, punishment is done to pay the penalty for something you've done in the past, and it's usually done out of anger. Whereas discipline is training for the future, usually done in love. And so I would say pruning is done in love because it's something that's meant for the future. You're, they're cutting back the plant for today, knowing that it will bear much more fruit in the future. And if you've ever, so 
Pruning can sound destructive, but it's actually creative. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Disney World, or for me, I'm from California, so I went to Disneyland. I haven't been to Disney World yet, but I've heard it's even better. Uh, but while I was at Disneyland, I remember seeing these pretty cool shaped hedges um, where, I mean, they would get really detailed. They had Mickey Mouse and then Donald Duck and these hedges. And they did this by trimming the bushes regularly they were able to shape the plants to look the way that they wanted them to. And in the same way, I believe that God prunes us to look like the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And sometimes the pruning involves removing sin from our lives, and sometimes God's pruning is painful. And I don't know if you guys remember last week, we talked about how God whispers in our pleasures and he shouts in our pains and how pain is God's megaphone in our lives and how sometimes we don't learn certain lessons and we don't grow or produce fruit if we don't experience some of the pains that we've experienced in our life. And there's something to important to mention here too, um, that you will never see branches pruning branches. It seems to me that it's a jo the job of pruning and trimming and shaping, it, it must be the job of someone besides the branches themselves. And that responsibility is left to the gardener, or in this case, God. And again, this idea that you can't prune yourself as a branch, you, you need a gardener as your source. So we need pruning in our lives to have more fruitful futures. Something that's done today, but it's for better tomorrow. And God does these things to help us, shape us to be more like, like Jesus. The next idea I want to take from John 15 is this idea of fruit, or fruit bearing. And it says in John 15, 5, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And what is fruit? Many people might suggest it's, it's when you bring people into a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and although that's a worthy application, it's hard to find that in the text right here. But as I was looking at this, I was reminded of Paul's listing of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 22 and 23, 522 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but it says in this verse, it says the fruit of the Spirit in a singular form. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit, which you would think it would because it's listing all these different attributes. And so it's not saying fruits of the Spirit, it's saying fruit of the Spirit, and then it has all these different attributes as if all of them somehow make one. And it's this idea that you can't take one of them out, because if you take one of them out, it, it, it's no longer the fruit of the Spirit. An example would be like if we take, say we want to take patience out, that's one that we'd probably want to take out, right? Take patience out, but the chances are in times that we're impatient, we're probably not feeling very loving, right? And it's also interesting that the very first characteristic here in this idea of the fruit of the Spirit is love. And when you look at all the other ones, you realize that love is really attached to every single one of those. You know, in, in order to feel joy, you got to feel love. In order to feel peace or patience or kindness or goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, all those things also need love. And so Jesus is saying, 
back in John 15 that he will prune us so that we can live this out, the fruit of the spirit out, that we can live the love, the joy, the peace, and all these things out. And if you look further down in, from the original text of John 15 and 15, 12, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another even as I have loved you. In fact, the whole paragraph that follows the text of tonight is about abiding in love, the kind of love that Jesus shows us. And it seems though Jesus is saying we should emulate his character and especially his love. And a branch would have the same DNA as a trunk. And if God is love, then we too should so love. And I don't typically want to, to bring up politics here and unite, but it seems appropriate on a night like this. But right now our world, it appears that we might have a deficit in love. And there are a lot of emotions out there. There's a lot of division, a lot of judgment. And honestly, I could say I'm a little embarrassed for Christians on both sides of the aisle, including myself, as I think we've allowed politics to become something that divides us instead of being united by Christ. And if we want to make an impact in our everyday life, it starts with remaining in, in Jesus and loving others as he does. And this is what produces real fruit in our lives. This is what we will be remembered for. This is what makes kingdom impact. I'm not trying to persuade someone to, to have the same political view as you or, or shaming others that don't share your same opinion. And so we bear, we bear fruit with the spirit that is within us. And he helps us to live out the fruit of the spirit. And it starts with loving others and loving him. And the last takeaway from John 15 is this idea of abiding. And the word abide, or in this case, in, in this text, this verse, it says remain in, in this version. It's repeated many times in this verse, so I imagine it's important. And so I actually, I want to I wanna read this original scripture again. But here's the thing. If you guys remember um, last week, I talked about this idea that if you were new to a city, you experience the city so much more richly and, and understand it, and you just have a whole different experience if you have a, a guide, a tour guide with you. You can experience the city so differently and so much more. And I shared my example when I was in Italy and how I'd walk past this in Rome. I'd walk past this thing called the Forum, and it was just you know, ancient ruins to me didn't really pique my interest. But then when I went through it with a tour guide, it's like it was a whole different experience, right? And so what I want to do is I want to look back at this text. I feel like the first time we looked at it, it was kind of like walking past it. Where maybe like, yeah, we, we hear it or we see it, but we don't really know the full picture of it. And so as your tour guide, I'm going to take you to the context of this verse of John 15, 1 through 8. And, and so when this is happening, it's right after Jesus had just shared with his disciples that have been with them for the last three years. He shared with them that one of them is going to betray him and that ultimately he's going to die. And you can imagine these disciples who gave up everything, literally everything, to follow this man, Jesus. They put all their hope in this leader, in Jesus. And now they're being told that he's going to be gone. 
that he's going to be killed and he's going to leave. And so they're on their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And you can just imagine the weight and the stress and the anxiety of like, what is, what is this going to look like? What is our future going to look like? We put all our chips on this man, Jesus, the Son of God, and now he's going to be leaving us. And so there's a stress and there's uncertainties and anxiety. And so then he spoke these words to him. But at the same time, before I even jump into this, I realize it's like where we are tonight. There might be some of you that have put your hope in one of the leaders of the, you know, in the political world. One of these guys is our president. And then there's this fear, this anxiety of like, what is our world going to look like? This uncertainty, this stress and anxiety. And I imagine the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples then pertain very much to us tonight. I don't think it's an accident that, that God put it on our intern AJ's heart to even do this series, but better yet that this talk of Jesus being our vine happened on election night, our true source. And this is what Jesus is, again, he's telling his disciples. And so I want us to look at it maybe again now knowing the context of, of, of him speaking to these disciples who have just heard some really bad news. And they're scared and they don't know what's going to happen. And I want us to, to look at this again. And, and I also want you to pay attention to how many times he's saying, remain, remain. And so here we go, John 15, 1 through 8. This is Jesus speaking to us now, his current disciples here today. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear, will be even more fruitful. You already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I also will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So if Jesus were here, which his presence, he is here tonight, what I believe he'd be speaking to any anxious hearts or people that are concerned what our country is going to be like, what our future is going to be like, I believe, and if there's no other part of this message that you guys hear tonight, I'd want you to hear this, that he is saying, remain in me. Remain in me. For some of us, our Christian life could be defined only by our involvement in church or social or political stances on the issues today or simply by just saying we believe in God. 
and there's no sense of the Spirit. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when we talked about the Holy Spirit, how sometimes we can live a spiritless life. I don't know if you guys remember the guy falling asleep in church. Not to say that if you fall asleep in church, you're spiritless, but it's just the idea that we go to Sunday mornings and sometimes it, it feels like a funeral, you know? And that sometimes is just a, it's a representation of our hearts. We're kind of just going through the routine, kind of just doing it and not really realizing what it's all about. And my prayer for us is that we would recognize that spirituality was central in Jesus' life, that Jesus' grounding in the Holy Spirit was, was fundamental for his life. It, it was everything that he was, and it led everything that he did. And that's exactly what it should be for us. The Spirit should be our source of life. It's our source of love. It's life-changing. And the Christian life is about entering into a relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this relationship is a journey of transformation. And the biblical image of the vine conveys a deep sense of connectedness of our lives. And the real measure of our lives is not so much what we believe, but to whom we are connected. And the better we are connected, the more we are transformed. And such transformation comes from connectedness or abiding, not from effort. And suppose, I mean, someone walks up to a branch and just starts telling the branch, like, produce fruit. It's not going to happen, right? Nothing would happen. The branch would not produce fruit from effort alone. But once the gardener has done his work, all the branches have to do in order to bear fruit is to stay connected to the vine, to remain in me. And I found this analogy from a professor named Thomas Merton for, this is his analogy of abiding in Christ this way. It says, it's like you're trying to catch a plane. You're late. You hop into a car and speed to the airport. Every delay gives you ulcers. You reach the parking lot, grab your stuff, race down the corridor to get to the right gate. You rush onto the plane, sit down in your seat, and then heave a sigh of relief. You made it. In one sense, you've reached your destination. Then the plane takes off, and you're on your way to other places, going higher, faster than ever before. But now you are not frantic or worried. That's what it means to be in Christ. You see, we try so hard sometimes to get where we want to go in this life, and we get stressed, we get exhausted, and then we find times when we say, like, okay, God, I give up. I need you. And all of a sudden we just see, like, we're able to go further, farther, faster than ever before, and we're not exhausted Sometimes I think we think we, we grow in obedience by doing all these things as Christians we're supposed to do, that we will grow more in love with God. And the reality is, is the more we grow in love with him by simply being in union with him, being connected to him, remaining in him, the more we grow in our obedience. So ask yourself, what stirs my affections for Jesus? And then do those things. Or ask yourself, what doesn't stir 
my affections for Jesus and, and don't do those things. And so guys, I'll, I'll be honest with you. This, this was a tough message for me because I realize I've struggled with this most of my life. And Alan, a couple Sundays ago, he talked about this, this, this idea of performing for Jesus, performing for God. And I don't know if you guys remember that, how he described this scene where he's at the dinner table and he's, he's doing the prayer, hoping that his grandma and his mom will see him just to get their approval, you know. And, and I see myself in that, that I, I try to do all these things for God. And it's like, hey, God, do you notice? Like, look what I'm doing. Can I get your little approval? And I can't help but think that he's unimpressed if I'm not staying connected to him. If I'm not remaining in him. You know, and you see, when you've been around the church as long as I have, you learn what it's like to emulate being a good Christian. You learn the Christianese, you learn all the right things to, to say or to do. But if it's not your heart, you're only fooling yourself because God knows our heart. And that's all he wants from us is our heart. You know, and if I'm honest too, when I think about this whole pruning part, like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't like trials. <laughs> I don't like struggles. I don't like hardships. But I also recognize too that when I look back on my life, at the times that I felt closest to God, it's usually centered around something hard in my life. And I don't regret that, and I wouldn't wish it any other way if I'm growing in my faith with him. It's easy to say these things. It's a whole other thing to live it out. It's hard. But I realize it's only hard because sometimes I'm trying to manufacture even my faith, like I said, it's like I'm going through the motions of doing all these things like, hey, God, look at me. It's not hard when we remain in him. Again, the analogy of the skid steer and auger, I don't know why that always comes up to me, but it's like that's our source of power. Like, I just remember how quick and effortless and, and how much was done compared to my own effort and my own strength of digging. So can we be an authentic community here that doesn't just say, yeah, I'm Christian, I go to church. But instead we say, I'm connected to the true vine that is Jesus Christ. And it is through him that I can do all things. So in summary, the three takeaways again from John 15. The first one is he prunes me. And this pruning process could involve pain. It can involve discipline. It's not punishment, though. Understanding that he prunes us maybe today for a better future, tomorrow, to bear more fruit. And that's the other thing is bearing fruit, like the fruit of the Spirit. And again, the fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's, it's led by love and how we treat others and how we love God. And then lastly, we can't have fruit if we're not abiding in him for not remaining in him. So in other words, when we see Jesus as our vine, 
It should remind us that we can't do it on our own. That we need him as our source. I mean, again, if we want to be the light of the world, much like that bulb in the beginning of the story, we can't be connected to just a string. We got to be connected to electrical source. And speaking of light, next week, Allie will be sharing Jesus, our light. So come back for next week. Uh, but for now, I'm going to call the, the worship team up. And we're going we're gonna to play a song that really kind of emphasizes what I've been talking about. It's called One Thing. And again, this idea that Jesus is not just maybe the small missing component from our lives, that he's everything. And without him, we have nothing, much like fruit without a vine or branch has nothing. And so let me pray for us, and then um, if you guys will stand and join us in worship. God, we, we thank you for being our source, for being our true vine, Lord. And God, this, this message could not be more timely. When there is so much uncertainty that awaits us in the days to come, in the months to come, in the years to come, God, with the pandemic with the election, all these things, Lord, that may cause stress or anxiety. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your message tonight as you are speaking to us and telling us to remain in you. And that apart from you, we can do nothing, but with you, we can do all things, Lord. God, may we always recognize our need for you. And God, may we we be open to the pruning that needs to be done in our life, removing areas of our life that have been plagued by sin or addictions, that we surrender them to you, God, and allow you to cut them out. God, that we move to a place of, of surrender in every area of our life. God, we pray that our hearts would just long to be with you not with this idea of trying to earn your approval or to earn your love, but that we simply are with you and that you want us to be with you and that you love us where we're at. God, you are good and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being a part of our community opening the word today. We here at Unite challenge you to grow in your relationship with God, to grow in your relationship with others, and to go out and live a Christ-centered life. To learn more about Unite, follow our social media pages or go to our website at mpcc.org unite. God bless. Mm -hmm.